1: Today's episode is brought to you by Checkfront, the booking platform trusted by over 5,000 tour and activity operators around the world. You can start your own free 21-day trial
0: over at Checkfront.com.
2: Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran, Shane Whaley, will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley.
1: Welcome back to Tourpreneur, Rob Petingalo of TripHacks DC. How are you? Good, Shane. Thanks for having me and jeremiah calvino this is your second uh, appearance on the show so i think actually consecutive weeks i think that might be a first thank you for giving us some of your time today jeremiah thank you so what did i have a chat with with rob because he brought up what i think is a common challenge for many tour operators out there right now we are hearing that two things in particular one In order to get any kind of revenue, we need to be focused on local and getting locals to book our tours and that nervous travelers are looking towards private tours. So that is something that, Rob, you offer a private and a public tour. So maybe in your words, for for the sake of our listeners, to offer some context here, what's the big challenge you are facing in D.C. right now? The big challenge is that
0: there aren't tourists here, to put it simply, Shane. I walked around on the National Mall on June 19th. And I have never in my life seen so few people out there. I had the entire Jefferson Memorial to myself. I had the entire Korean War Memorial to myself on a beautiful summer day. I mean, this is unfathomable to anyone who's ever been to Washington, D.C. in the summer. So the the problem is that right now, all the big sites are closed. The Smithsonian's closed. The Capital Visitor Center is closed. The Kennedy Center just announced that they're canceling all their performances until the end of the year. And to be completely honest, that's stuff I don't have control over. But as long as those places are closed, it means that we're not going to have out-of-town tourists. And out-of-town tourists have been the bread and butter for my business this whole time. So that's
1: the challenge. So how does Rob go about putting his business, his tours, Jeremiah, in front of locals? And I guess we should kind of define local here, because I know if we're in the UK, local can be the whole of, whole of Scotland, Whereas, you know, with, the, with the, the geographical distance here in the U.S., it, it's different. So maybe, Rob, that's something. Like, what would you consider local markets? So I
0: would consider a local market to be the immediate metro area. So someone who lives in the suburbs, but maybe before COVID they worked downtown. So they sort of see this as their entertainment market, you might say. So someone who previously might have gone to the Kennedy Center or might have gone to a Wizards basketball game. Maybe my tour is entertainment in a way that those things might have been. But I also could potentially see it as, you know, drive distance, short drive distance. So not, you know, all the way down from Philadelphia, but maybe a little bit outside the immediate metro area, but maybe something that you could drive in for the day and drive back home in the evening.
1: How about you, Jeremiah? How do you define local marketing for the majority of your clients?
2: Yeah, so I think the local market right now is that drive time radius. Different destinations have you know different amounts of draw. So I'm not going to pick on anyone except my, my hometown. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a beautiful city. I, of course, love it. But people aren't coming, driving two days to come and visit Madison. On the other hand, like the Grand Canyon or Yosemite, or you know certain attractions, right? People are willing to drive farther. So, you know, basically, we're seeing right now in the U.S. market that it's really focused on that drive time radius. There's a few different ways to sort of gauge what that drive time market is for you, but I think you know we're we're basically looking at typically two to four hours, you know, drive time distances. How are Defining the local market.
1: And what are you seeing out there as the best platforms for ads and promos for that drive market?
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is there's a question of are people looking to go on tours? And there's a few different ways to do that. Of course, you can look at your own Google Analytics traffic and see okay, is my tra- site traffic down 90% or 50% or you know, where is that at? I was looking at Washington DC tours and Google Trends, you can you can see search volume uh year over year. And so this June compared to last June, search volume, the number of people who are looking for tours in Washington DC, is down ninety two percent. So, you know, Rob's right, right? Like you could advertise on Google, but no one's no one's looking for tours. There's no one to advertise to. Other markets are are different. I was just comparing, you know, the exact same time period for Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and y- year over year, they're only down 30%. So you know, still substantial, but there's a real you know drive time market. There and um, and you know we work with clients in a lot of these markets and we're kind of seeing this play out very differently um, in different markets. That being said, too, you know we're all dealing with the virus that we don't have control over, and what is the truth today can rapidly change. Right, restrictions evolve and cases counts increasing and and things like that. So I think, you know, one of the things we have to be is very adaptable and just, you know, be able to, to shift our strategies as things on the ground change. So, you know, I think for Rob, though, what we're looking at is, okay, people aren't searching. So because people aren't searching, there's it might be worth trying to advertise on Google. And we're seeing many, uh, if not most, of the OTAs have pulled out of advertising. And because Google Ads and and most ad platforms work on an auction basis, where you may have been paying two or three or $4 a click, you might be able to get those clicks for 50 cents or a dollar right now. So sometimes, even though the search volume is really low, you know, you're not a huge company. You don't need hundreds of bookings, and if you're able to capture a greater percentage of of the market, small though it is, and you're offering private tours and you have some uh, unique value proposition, you know, it may be worth testing the waters on on the Google on Google advertising. But obviously, the volume there um, isn't isn't going to be huge. So, a lot of what we're leaning on is remarketing campaigns. So, if you've had like your Facebook pixel set up in your website, Facebook gives you up to 6 months to remarket to somebody. So, someone from, you know, the the region nearby may have visited Rob's site back in January, let's say and it you know, hasn't booked the tour but you can show an ad to that individual and customize it to you know a local audience and you're reaching people who already hopefully have some familiarity with who you are because they were on your website and hopefully have some interest in doing tours in dc because they were on your website now, you've done, and I actually want to talk to you a little bit about this. You've done an amazing job at blogging and producing content uh, about DC and bring in a lot of, you know, I mean, you rank really well in Google for for a lot of different DC kind of tour-related keywords. So I'm curious what got you started on that and, and how that's going for you.
0: Yeah, the content marketing has been the number one marketing strategy for the three years that I've been doing it. And a lot of hours have been put into that, for sure. I I think there's an entire episode I recorded with Shane about the backstory, but the short version is that I discovered when I was traveling myself to another city, someone doing content marketing that I thought they were doing really well. And if they were a tour guide, which they weren't, that I totally would have paid them to show me around when I arrived. And I realized that that was an opportunity to take that idea, and as a tour guide, to implement it. So most of the uh, bookings that we do get now, or did, did get pre-COVID, I should say, were from folks who found the articles or the videos, to a smaller extent, the podcast episodes. But you know, usually the podcast episodes are something that people listen to when they're more invested, and in. so those are great because that's kind of remarketing in itself, more touch points with the potential customer.
1: I was really uh, impressed on the arrival roundtable I gave on content marketing, and the question came up about video marketing. And it shouldn't surprise me, but it does, because I mentioned you, Rob, and probably about eighty percent of the roundtable are like, "Oh yeah, we we know Tripax DC. We watch the videos. He does a fantastic job." But I was so cool to hear that from people who I wasn't familiar with beforehand
0: yeah I trust that the folks who came to your roundtable, Shane are listeners to the podcast, so they probably heard that podcast episode and knew me from that.
1: You hope so, but you know it's uh yeah anyway it was just it was just great to hear that, and that you they were using you as the gold standard in terms of what video content they could come up with for their respective areas yeah the reason I like that using that content strategy is because
0: people are signaling their intent when they're searching for what they're searching for. So, you know, someone who's looking up a topic like what to pack for a DC trip, they are someone who obviously is going to be traveling here. I mean, it's not the direct keyword of DC, Washington DC tours or, you know, the thing that would seem like the most obvious keyword to bid on. But if you're looking up what to pack or you're looking up the best free sites, you know, you're coming here. And so that's how I w- I'm able to capture that audience.
2: And I think, Shane, to your question about what's the best platform, the platforms all are fine. It's really what's the audience. You know, Google through Google Display Network has incredible targeting capabilities. You can target people who are in market. YouTube is a great platform where you can increase your reach, especially if, like Rob, you've already got great video content, then pushing that through Paid uh, on YouTube to, to drive bookings can, can be really valuable. But you got to figure out what's the market? Who are the people who right now are yeah. looking to book a tour, or maybe they're not at all looking to book a tour? But once you push this idea into their consciousness, all of a sudden, like, oh, that would be great. And a lot of times, you know, we find with local marketing that that trigger is really important. Sometimes it's really simple. For a lot of our clients in June we ran campaigns around Father's Day and it's like hey do something with your dad. And you know a lot of times there's maybe a little bit of a promo or something related to that. But you know giving people a trigger where it's like oh yeah that would be something my dad would enjoy and we could do together and you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we were selling it not necessarily something that you do on Father's Day because you, know, you only have capacity to run so many tours on one day. But you know, buy kind of a gift certificate or book for the future. But you know, finding different things that you can hook into and and connect with a particular audience is is really effective.
0: Yeah, the way I see it, and the way the the reason why I described. Uh, the audience in kind of two different ways when you originally asked is because I sort of see people in the immediate metro area as someone who might book a tour or an activity because they're just looking for entertainment. We really do have a very limited number of entertainment options right now compared to what we did last summer. And so if people are starved for entertainment, this is an option. Whereas the people who are a two-hour drive away, I feel like I have to first convince them that they should get in their car and drive two hours to come to DC, and then, once they're here, that they should do this activity. So I feel like it's selling more than just what I'm offering. It's sort of selling the idea that they should come here in the first place, and I don't know if that's really what I wanna be doing.
2: So, let me back up a little bit. In DC, it's one of the most visited cities in, in the country, And there are a lot of tour guides. I think that there's a couple of thousand tour guides, a lot of tour companies. What makes you unique? I think one thing that's really important is that you're not the best, right? I mean, nobody's the best. Some people are bad, (laughs) but there's a particular group of people that you're great for. And there's a specific reason why it's like, if you love, you know, X, Y, and Z, then you're going to love Rob and you've got to do a tour with TripHacks. What would you say is kind of your, the sweet spot of who is going to have a really great time with you and, and who you go after, kind of actively pursue as a customer?
0: Yeah, that's an easy one. The people who really like the TripHacks DC YouTube channel and podcast are going to really like coming on our tours.
2: And and so if we're not familiar with the podcast like what what is the aspects of your personality or experience or background that that really start differentiate you from the rest of the thousand other tour guides
0: Yeah so this is something I'll give you an example from something that customers often say they say you actually live in the city I watch your videos you seem to know what you're talking about and like we can trust that when we go on a tour with you, we're going to have a fun time. I know, you know, like you said, I'm not going to claim to be the best. And I'm not going to say that any one particular company is bad. I think all the tour companies here do a pretty good job. But I also know that uh, a lot of them use college kids as tour guides. I used to work with a lot of them when I was you know, uh, a tour guide working for another company. And it's not to say that they're not interesting or you know, good tour guides, but they also might have just moved to D.C. They might not have the same depth of knowledge that someone who's been doing this for, you know, eight years has. And so I think that that definitely comes through. And and customers have said that as much.
2: So, you know, one thing that I would say with private tours, and I do think that that, I mean, not to, that we shouldn't try to book public tours. I'm not sure that I would completely write that off. But I do think that Private tours, both just the depth of your expertise and kind of who you're appealing to, and everything combined with the factors around the pandemic, make that you know a very good uh, market to, to pursue right now. You know, having watched some of your content, you know the fun that you have, your personality, the depth of your experience and expertise all come through really well. Going to your website though, and maybe this is uh, intentional, but you don't have any video on your homepage, and if I click on uh, "Private Tour with Rob," which is kind of like the marquee the tour that you highlight on your homepage, there's also no video on that page. Is that an, an intentional or an oversight?
0: No, I don't think that it's intentional. I you know, the content that I've done has not been promotional for the most part. And so I think I just never really made a very highly promotional type video. So maybe that's something that now would be a good time to work on.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think that with any tour and we we see this a lot is that you want to show people the product and it, 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 kind of amuses me a lot of times how much effort people will put into social media and blogging and things like that. But then when I go to their actual product page, their tour page, it's kind of like, I don't, you don't really get a good sense of what the experience is going to be like. And, you know, there are some people who are going to get vested in you and the brand that are going to follow you on YouTube and on Instagram and watch your lives and all this stuff. And, you know, be like, oh, this guy's amazing and I got to do a tour with him. But the mass market is uh, much less <laughs> invested, right? And so, and especially if you're doing advertising, like this is really important because there's an ad running, people click on it, they come to a landing page. You're right on that landing page, you really need to, you know, within a minute or so, give them a good sense of what is this tour going to be what's the experience going to be like and and really who you are because i mean you're a big part of of the, the brand or the tour you know if you're talking about these private tours so i would really recommend bringing yourself and your personality and your expertise to at least the private tour page and You know, you're talking about promotional. I think that sometimes people think promotional videos have to be really fancy and like high production values and and they don't. I think that like, yeah, you you know, there's a difference between being like salesy and being, you know, real high production value and just explanatory. Like, hey, you know, if you're booking a private tour with me, this is what you can expect and these are the kinds of people who really love my tours or this is what i love talking about or whatever right but like explain to people hey when when you pay me 2.99 like this is what you're gonna get and, and that's this is you know the kind of fun that we'll have and you can do that on your iphone but i think that that content is really valuable and then you know youtube facebook Instagram, all of these platforms have video remarketing. And so if you've got a, a video like that, and I mean if you have some b-roll kind of footage of you leading a tour or something like great, you know, you can splice that in there, make it a little bit fancier, but you can remarket. So everyone who visits your website will see this this promo video for you telling them and you know, pricing is really important, right? A lot of times pricing is a trigger that helps people decide like, oh, this is something that I'm interested in doing or something I'm not interested in doing. And, you know, we find a lot of times whether it's in the ad copy itself or in the first part of the video, you know, just putting in that that in there. I, we're doing a campaign right now for a rafting company. And it's like, hey, for 399 dollars you get a private raft with up to 6 people and you know people see that and they all of a sudden it's kind of like okay I got a price point I got number of people that can go on the trip and a lot of times like on Facebook you'll see right you know w- with the the posts they're at mentioning their friends hey we should do this together let's get our buddies together and go do it so you know kind of you want to figure out what's the core set of information that people need to to start considering making a purchase and then build out those remarketing campaigns. And you know, from a cost standpoint, too, it's important for people to realize that you can do a really effective remarketing campaign on, say, Facebook and Instagram for a dollar or two a day. It is not expensive to do. Now, if you have a huge amount of traffic to your site and you want to reach all those people, you're going you're gonna to pay more. But you know, typically, with a remarketing type campaign, you're able to get ten to twenty times return on your ad spend. so I mean, if you spend hundred dollars on remarketing, even in this climate, you should expect to see one to two thousand dollars of bookings from that
0: yeah i'm I'm curious about that because that's not been my experience with remarketing at all, so that makes me think i'm doing something really wrong you know and i don't know if that's bad copy bad photos bad advertising um not quite sure but it's i've always figured that that's such an easy one because i've i've got the website pixeled and i've got the data and but when i've tried to do remarketing it just has not been successful not not even you know that it wasn't 10 times but that it didn't even You know, have a positive ROI at all. So, I'd love to know, you know, what I'm doing wrong and try to fix that if I'm going to go down that road.
2: Mm -hmm. So, how confident are you that that your tracking is working in your booking engine and
0: and everything? I'm very confident that it's working. I mean, I can see the numbers on Facebook. I know that it's getting pushed to the people that I wanted to get pushed to. I know that it's getting some clicks but the number of clicks seems very small to me for someone who's theoretically interested in the product.
2: Right, right. So I think that there's a couple of things. One is that you, so Rob's in a unique situation, pretty different than a lot of people, where you get a lot of traffic to your site from keywords that have low commercial intent. So like one of the keywords that you rank well for is like FDR memorial facts. Well, you know, some of those people might be planning a trip, but a lot of them are probably kids in Oklahoma who are writing a school paper or whatever and and you know aren't looking to to book a trip. So there there's a couple of different ways to to build out your audience segments and sort of try to figure out you know, a lot of times you can do it by landing page. You sort of know which pages on your site have that higher commercial intent, where people are actually looking to book a tour, or like you were talking about, you know, how much should I pack, or how long is this? You know, tours that are search terms that are a better predictor that somebody is planning a trip to D.C. or planning a tour to to D.C. You want to segment that audience out from the people who are just researching basic facts about the Lincoln Monument or whatever.
0: Yeah, and, and just to be clear on that point, all the landing pages are pixeled and they're all segmented that way. So I'm not doing any remarketing to someone who's coming to the website and not looking at a tour landing page because I want to only get the people who are the who are getting close enough to at least look at the tours. Because I, I know that the traffic uh, is a lot bigger on the website as a whole than just the people who are on the tour landing pages, so. Right.
2: And and then, you know, so once you've got your audience or, or sort of, you know, which pages, so it sounds like you've got that box checked, which is great. Then I think the next piece is kind of looking at other demographic criteria that you can layer on to those audiences in Facebook. And, you know, what I would do is kind of look at you know, historical trends and, and some of the stuff is harder with COVID because the, the profile of who's booking obviously is, is changing. But you know, an easy one right now, and, and you're probably already doing this too, but is just simply only show the ads to people who live within a hundred miles or something of, of DC. So you've got, you know, your website remarketing audience, and then you you know, on top of that, you you throw on, okay, and lives within 100 miles of Washington DC from there i think what i would probably do is segment by other demographics whether it's age or you know you know maybe something that you could do is like okay do, do they have kids or not right and and now you're not taking people in and out but you're saying okay this is a family they've got uh, teenagers so, for this type of audience, what's the messaging that's going to resonate with them versus you know millennials without kids or you know whatever right? So you might start subdividing your remarketing audiences by some other demographics and and you know just based upon your experience of what kind of tours things different types of people are looking for customize that that ad copy. I think you know some of the other things that are really helpful is making sure that you have enough ads. A lot of times people have like one ad they run. I won't name any names, but I know some really (laughs) large attractions where it's like, I've seen their same ad 79 times and you know, the, the term we use in the industry is banner blindness, but I mean, people just get sick and tired of, you know, seeing that same ad over and over again. I think you're in a great position where you've got so much awesome content and videos and everything that building kind of a nurture funnel where maybe you have a set of 10 ads. And a lot of times what we'll do is, is set up audiences so that, you know, between the time they visit our website and, and three days after. We're hitting them with you know two or three ads and then between day three and day seven and day seven and day 30. And so there's, there's kind of a progression. YouTube lets you do this. Uh, they have a feature where you can actually take a series of videos, arrange them in a sequence, and then remarket that sequence of videos to people. So, you know, somebody visits your website and then the next day they go watch a cat video and they see one of your videos as the pre-roll. And then the next day they're going to watch the music video or whatever. And another one of your ads shows, but it's the second video in that sequence. And you know, especially with a little bit higher priced product with a with a private tour, you you can't expect people to convert with one touch or with a single message. And so kind of building out a string of of nurturing messages that you know you show to people over, say, a 30-day period is a lot more effective than just, you know, a single ad that you show them over and over and over again. Does does that help?
0: Yeah, I definitely Subscribe to that view that a single touch won't sell anything, which is why I think a lot of the people who do wind up on the tours they usually have watched at least a dozen of the youtube videos and I'm, I'm not expecting anyone at this point to watch a hundred of them, although some people claim to but you know once once they've watched that i don't know seventh eighth ninth video, that's kind of when they decide they're going to do it so I totally get that uh, that's why I've kind of always figured that if facebook was ever going to work for ads, it was going to be on remarketing because right. to go in cold just doesn't seem like it's going to ever, you know, it, you'd need so many of them and to get them into do something else, like to start watching videos first. So I, I get that.
1: The, the thing, the question that comes to my mind is, is listening into this conversation is, you know, you talk about banner blindness. You know, I get this sometimes, Rob and I speak a fair bit and I'm used to going on his website and you have to step outside of that. And when I look at your site, Rob, I think we just talked about how do we market to locals? And when I land on your site, it's Explore Washington, D.C. like a pro. Would you consider tweaking and changing this copy if you feel for the next few months, look, most, most people who are going to be booking with me are going to be local, that's what I'm targeting, and changing that copy to kind of reflect that, you know, Explore Washington, D.C., buy a local for locals, or something like that where you tweak that text so it's super focused on the local markets? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now- you know, bound to any particular language on the website, and I'm very well aware that you know what worked before isn't necessarily going to work now. So, definitely willing to make those kind of changes.
2: Uh, I just wanted to hop on what you said. It's a really good idea, and something that we've had a huge amount of success with is Google Optimize. So, you know, if you've ever looked in your Google Analytics, right, it'll tell you how many people you have from the U.S. and from Japan and from you know which states, right. So Google has another product called Google Optimize that integrates with Google Analytics, and it's free. And you can plop that on your website, and and it's really quite easy to do. But what it allows you to do is personalize your website based upon where people are. And so what you can effectively do is what Shane just said. If somebody lives in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia, let's say, and they come to your homepage or your private tour page, you can customize the headline and the copy to really focus on the the unique aspects of going with a local and for locals and everything. But if somebody from Japan or somebody from Oklahoma visits your website, they'll see the current copy or or, a different set of copies. So that's a really cool free way to personalize your site to, to focus on that local market without it having to be an either-or proposition.
1: And I, and I wonder if building upon that, and again, <laughs> I have to be respectful that Rob works a full-time job, so I don't have time for it. But you know, creating videos which are aimed at locals rather than people like me in Vermont and Jeremiah in Wisconsin who are coming into D.C., You know, is something you could have fun with with some of the memorials and places on your spots with some kind of cheeky language towards tourists? Because we all think we know our backyard, but we don't. I wonder if there's something you could do there just to, again, to show locals that, oh, this isn't just for tourists, you know, those tourists who flock my city. This is actually for locals. Yeah, I,
0: I like the idea, and I've had it kicking around in my head for the past three months that we've been in, you know, COVID quarantine. I haven't quite figured out exactly how to implement on that yet, but definitely uh, an idea that I think is a good one. Take a day off from answering emails, telling your team what to get ready, or manually entering info across sales channels. Actually, take many because Checkfront will help manage your bookings. Guests book and pay however they want. Your team has the tools they need to operate smoothly and your calendar always stays up to date. Now, what will you do with all that extra time? Checkfront. One booking platform, limitless possibilities. Find out more at
2: checkfront.com. And and Rob, I assume that you have done tours with locals in the past, sometime in the past.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's the reason why I was struggling initially with the public versus private tour dilemma is because the private tour does very well with out of towners, people who are here for a limited amount of time, people who are on vacation and they're willing to splurge. I don't think I've ever done a private tour with a local family. So when they've booked, it's been on the public tour, because in a way it's a, like it's a Saturday night entertainment kind of thing. And so that's why I initially thought that the public tour would be the one to focus on this year but so far it has not uh sold and so i'm starting to think that that wasn't quite right and should maybe switch my focus
2: yeah and i'm looking at your website not to to beat you up here but you know the private tour with rob page and it says what's included on a private tour we'll show you the lincoln memorial the korean war veterans memorial well and if i'm a local i'm th- i'm just thinking like okay i've seen those i drive past them every day i don't need somebody to show me the lincoln memorial but i think that there's a couple either you can you know show people things that are off the beaten path or that they haven't seen or it's like yeah you've seen the lincoln memorial you've you've been there before but you haven't been there with me you have to do one of those two things, right? I mean, I think if you're marketing to those locals, you need to show them that they're going to get something that they haven't experienced before or they can't do on their own. And I feel like that's not really there right now. And again, obviously, if you watch 10 of your videos and you're like, man, this guy is awesome. I'd love to hang out with him for an evening, uh, You know, that's going to help. But I don't think that that is really coming through it all on this actual page.
0: Yeah, I, don't, I think that's true, and I think that the private tour was never built for locals, and so I think that what you're saying reflects that 100%. The other reason I thought that the public tour would perform better with locals is because it's what I call the monumental trivia tour. It's not just a monuments tour, it's also a trivia game, and that's fun because people like trivia and people like to be competitive, but and and we can do the trivia questions on a private tour, but when it's just one family, it's of limited you know entertainment value, so typically when it's uh, just one family on the tour, we don't do the questions. but that's one of the another one of the reasons why I focused initially on the public tour and it sounds like from the last thirty minutes of conversation that i I should be switching my focus over to the private tour and and if I do that, I've got some changes I need to make to accommodate the local audience.
2: So one thing, because I know, you know, you're not running the the trivia tour every day, you know, fairly limited engagements. I saw somebody else on the Tourpreneur group posting about this and, and I thought saying that it was working incredibly well for them is running these as Facebook events. So, you know, you've got Monumental Trivia, Twilight, Saturday, June 11th. That's, you know, 11 days from now. Um, plugging that in as an upcoming event on Facebook and then promoting that event to your remarketing audiences. You can do friends of friends who live in the D.C. area. But I think that the the individual who's posting an entrepreneur was saying they were just posting these Facebook events uh, organically and filling whole tours because people are out there looking for things to do. But you know, you need to to make them aware of what, what you've got. I like
1: that. And and I go back to that idea. Sorry, Rob. I go back to the idea of, you know, $299 for a private tour. But it's like, hey, why don't you gather your friends and come on the tour and challenge them to the Monument Trivia Tour as something to do on a Saturday night and maybe tweaking the copy around that as well as adding you know the most fun you can have in dc on a saturday night and social distance and have something in there about what you're doing for safety and maybe just tweaking that copy i mean i i remember going on a private tour in london it was a spy tour surprise surprise <laughs> and that was like that was really expensive but i just invited like eight or nine of my mates and we had an absolute blast it was like so much fun four or five hour tour in london doing that and uh you know it was, it was a really cool social event
2: yeah i don't I'm just thinking too. With, I mean, there's so many. You know, I was talking about kind of that trigger, right? So it's like, can you promote it for a bachelor at party, or you know, even just work colleagues that oh, our team has been working from home and not really seeing each other. I just saw one of my coworkers the other day. It's like, man, we haven't actually seen each other for three months. So you know, promoting it is a way to. You know, hey, get your coworkers together and you know have some fun. I, I think you got to find those sort of hooks because people aren't searching for it. That's the big shift you got to realize is that prior to COVID, like bajillions of people went to down th- their computer, popped open their phone, and wanted to go do a tour. And now it's like lots of people are sitting at home bored, but. The first thing that doesn't pop into their mind is, oh, maybe I should do a tour of Washington, D.C. So you've got to inject yourself into their consciousness and create this as an interesting, fun. and, and And a lot of, you know, frankly, what's funny is that, like, in a lot of cities where there's not a lot of tourism, like where I live, the, uh, tour companies are really good at this because they're they've always been marketing to locals because that's who's here. But you know, companies, tour companies in Washington DC and in in San Francisco and everything, are it's like whoa, like this is a whole new ball game because you haven't had to do this before.
0: Yeah, I I agree. One of the one of my goals at the beginning of the year, even before COVID, was to increase the number of locals who would come on the tours and you know, I thought about, well, maybe it needs to not be called a tour anymore. Maybe it needs to be called an experience, you know, because Airbnb's got the experiences now and all that. And, you know, tours aren't hip anymore. Experiences are, whatever the case is. So it's it's definitely on the top of my mind. And like you said, it's it's not that people have tons of entertainment options right now. So this could theoretically be a great entertainment option. But I've got to get in front of them, get in front of the right people
1: and tell them, that this is a good Saturday night option. Yeah. I remember the virtual trivia quiz you hosted, Rob, and how much fun we had on that. And that was virtual. So going out and doing something, you've got that added bonus of having trivia around the monuments. Yeah. I think it's a fun event that people will do. And, you know, because you can't go in the pub. I don't know about DC, but certainly here, you know, you can't go in the pub, you can't go into restaurants. People don't even want to do that. But, you know, being outside and touring and having fun with the quiz.
0: Yeah, on paper, it's a it's a great opportunity because, like I said, a lot of the standard summer entertainment options, you've got your concert in the park, those are all canceled. You've got your Major League Baseball games, those are all canceled. And so if you're, you know, you can't go to the movie theater, you can't go to concert hall, just so many of the things that you would normally think of, what can I do with my Friday evening or what can I do with my Saturday night? They're not on the table this year. My tour is because it's completely outside and, you know, we're limiting, we're capping the the attendance and outdoor activities, I think, are one of the few things that people are considering safe right now. So the opportunities there on paper, it's just getting in front of the people and selling them the idea that this is good Saturday night entertainment
1: that I haven't quite cracked yet. Any other ideas around Facebook targeting, Jeremiah, for that within DC? I mean, what kind of groups Rob could target?
2: yeah. Well, so something just for everyone listening is, you know, when you think about who should I be targeting, generally speaking, we like to think that your best prospective audience is your past customers. Uh, and obviously right now you're going to probably sit, you know, you can upload your customer list. So, you know, you can take all of your the reservations that have ever happened with your company, upload that as a customer list to Facebook, to Google, and remarket to the people who already have have toured with you. And and of course, narrow that by by geography as needed. Your next best audience is that remarketing audience and and frequency is really helpful, right? So the people who visited your website yesterday are gonna convert at a higher rate than somebody who visited six months ago. But so you've got your customer list, you got the remarketing list. The next audience, is what's called a lookalike audience, and you can generate those lookalike audiences from either your website visitors or your prior customers, and I think that you know that could be something really interesting to to play around with because, uh, you know, as you talk about sort of what makes somebody a fan of your brand those people are, are you know, if people are history buffs or, you know, architecture, you know, whatever the sort of set of things that make somebody love your tours, uh, they probably share a lot of common interests and, and, and demographics as other people who haven't been on your tours. So, When you do this on Facebook, Facebook basically looks at the 220 million people who are on the Facebook platform in the United States of America, and will give you the 1%, so 2.2 million people, that most look like your existing customers or your existing website traffic. And we find that that's oftentimes a very good way to broaden your reach while still being really focused on the the types of people who are most likely to purchase your tours. And it doesn't require you going into Facebook and checking all sorts of boxes and guessing at who would like this or, or, or that. You just basically let Facebook's uh, AI algorithms figure that out. And, and for the most part, it, it works really well. But Beyond that, like particularly for this signature trip hacks, your your trivia game tour, I think that there's some interest on Facebook. Like Jeopardy, the game is an interest on Facebook. I know uh, there's you know puzzles and trivia, and a number of of interests like that. So, you know, two you may look at the demographics of of who you're who's coming currently coming out. And and maybe you know whether it's age or or different things. Again, though, you know sometimes it's the messaging, right? So if you're trying to reach young people without families or just you know looking for something to do on a Saturday night, the messaging and the imagery that you're going to use there is going to be different than if you're trying to reach somebody with like me with little kids. So I think it's always helpful to get kind of get a target. Uh, customer in your mind of like okay this is the person that I want to reach with this particular ad and you know let's just say it is people 22 to 35 then write your copy as if you are talking to one of those people and then on Facebook you know bring in your your age uh range to that target market
0: yeah uh, Jeopardy is an interest on Facebook I know because I tried it um Without success, but it turns out that Jeopardy tends to be an older audience, and normally I'd be perfectly happy. I've had good success with grandparents and grandkids on the tour, but I'm not sure if that's exactly who is out and about right now in uh, the middle of COVID. So that one might not be the best one. But I, I like the idea of the lookalike. What I wonder is, is there a minimum number of people on that past guest list? That I need to have for it to be a robust lookalike audience. Like, does it need to be a thousand emails on that list, or is a hundred sufficient?
2: So let me let me answer that. Let me just back up a quick second. One of the things with targeting that on Facebook that's that's kind of tricky. It's not the brain surgery, but it is it is a little involved. Is you really get your best impact when you layer. And a lot of times, with a you know effective campaign, you you've layered five or six different things. You know, you got maybe you're starting with a lookalike audience. You're saying, all right, I've got this 2.2 million people in the U.S. that are a one percent lookalike of my past customers, and then you layer on a geographic radius. All right, I'm going to target people in a 30 mile radius, and then you add on an age. Uh, okay, I'm going to target people 25 to 35. And then you layer on an interest like Jeopardy, for instance. So now you've got whatever that was, four or five layers and, and these are all stacking on top of each other. And when you're building out that audience, Facebook automatically is updating the your audience size. So of course, you don't want to get down to a size, an audience size where it's like three people, <laughs> right? Uh, you got a decent audience size, but you know if if you stacked all those things together and it was like okay there's 50,000 people who you know live in the DC area who look like your past customers between the ages of 25 and 35 who like jeopardy or puzzles like and i i don't know for sure what the audience size is there but like that would be like oh this is this is great i mean you get excited and then you do a test right you you throw 10 bucks behind it and you see and if you if you guessed right, then you're going to see strong engagement there, and it's going to kind of motivate you to all right, let's put a little bit more spend behind this. But you you really need to do a lot of layering. If if you don't, if you're not kind of hooking all of those different things up to each other, uh, it, it it doesn't work. As far as the size of your list goes. There's a couple of things. One is if you're targeting locals, you really want that audience to just be locals. And then recency is also a factor, right? So if, if you've got to go back 10 years or something, like that's not as good. I think that if you had 100 people from the DMV region in the past two or three years, that that, that would be a sufficient seed for the list. Obviously, the more data, the better, but I don't think that you need a, a thousand, a hundred is probably around the minimum, but you can also use the website audience. So you could take only people who visited the trivia tour page or only people who visited the private tour with Rob page on your site. And and assumedly that's, that's a much larger number of people and use that as a seed for your remarketing list and another thing when we were talking about that the remarketing is facebook allows you to remarket to people who watch your videos whether that's an organic video or a paid video so a lot of times the the funnel kind of the the process here becomes somebody visits my website we show them a video a paid video of the people that that we show that paid video to 90 percent of them don't watch it 5% 5% of them watch, you know, 3 to 10 seconds and another 5% of them watch more than 10 seconds of the video. Facebook allows you to create a second remarketing audience of only the people who watched more than 10 seconds of your video or more than 50% of your video. And then you you invest the m- bulk of your remarketing budget on the people who are Re-engaging with your content—you know, who watch more than ten seconds or more than fifty percent of of one of your videos—and the, the affinity, sort of the likelihood that that person is aligned with and you know enjoying what you're doing, increases exponentially, and so the returns from your advertising dollars also increase.
1: Lots of ideas, there, Rob. Yeah, a lot of things
0: I've never done before, but that I definitely could do some tests and see if anything clicks.
1: Jeremiah, a question for you. So you've given Rob a ton of advice here, and I'm very grateful to you for giving us some of your time and sharing your wisdom. But let's say, for instance, someone who's listening in today was like, wow, there's a lot of things here to do on Facebook. I don't know if I have the time. I don't have the knowledge uh, I don't know if I even have the aptitude to go and learn this stuff. So at what point should a listener then say, you know what, I need to call Jeremiah? I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is what, I'm trying to pick my words carefully, but obviously you charge a fee, right, for your services. Uh, when, when is someone ready to come and work with a marketing agency as opposed to doing it themselves is, is my question for you. What have you seen?
2: Well, yeah, thanks for that intro, man. <laughs> and I say that because I'm listening
1: to you and I'm even thinking like, oh, maybe I should hire Jeremiah for tour per because I don't have time to run all these tests. I don't have time to layer, but I know this comes at a dollar premium.
2: Yeah. So, so you know, one thing is, is that, you know, your listeners uh, range in size, right? From part-time, single-person companies to, you know, to very large operations and so your scale is really going to dictate a lot of the answer to the question you know if you're a a tour operator with in 10 cities and doing 10 million a year in revenue and like yeah you need to have some real professionals who are you know 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 this stuff and, and you know part of the thing too is that for tour operators you're competing against a few different things you're competing against people doing nothing, or just going to the bar, or you know, going sitting at the beach, or or whatever, right? But I mean, people don't have to go on a tour. You're also competing against all the other tour companies, and you're also competing against the OTAs, and you know, Viator, Get Your Guide, and, and all these companies spend a lot of money and have lots of really smart people in their data science teams and advertising teams and everything who are you know, buying these ads. So it's complicated. It, get, it it does get complicated quickly. And, you know, if you're at scale, you know, I mean, a, a larger operation, you, you really do need professionals. <laughs> I'm surprised by how many people are, are trying to do it themselves. And I just actually literally got off the phone with somebody who said, I spent $100,000 last year on Google ads and it was all waste uh we, we weren't tracking it properly, and we found out afterwards that there was you know we just flushed it down the toilet. so don't be that guy, but you know let me let me start out by saying some things that most people can do themselves okay and, and should be doing even during covid so google facebook as well as twitter and linkedin and pinterest all have these pixels you probably hear you know people talking about pixels if you do any consumer marketing you want to make sure that the google ads pixel and the facebook pixel are on your website and you probably if, you, if you're fairly comfortable you know working or you don't need to be a computer programmer to do that if you're using Squarespace or WordPress or things like that, there's plugins that let you just kind of drop in these codes and it automatically happens. If you do corporate groups or other kinds of things, LinkedIn is a really great platform. Pinterest is a platform that is very underutilized and and can drive really awesome returns. But the cool thing about putting these pixels on your website is that it costs you nothing to do. And, but until you have that pixel on your website you're not able to start building your audience so uh, you know I was just talking to an operator in New York City they're basically completely closed but people are still visiting their website they're not spending any money on advertising cuz they don't even know when they're going to reopen but as long as they have those pixels on their website everyone who's visited their website since they closed in March until you know hopefully they they're they'll be able to reopen in, in August or September. you know. So let's just say that's 10,000 people. Those 10,000 people, if they have the pixels on their website, once they're, they get the notification that, okay, we're going to be able to reopen tours, they can go into these ad platforms and start advertising to everyone who's visited their website previously and, and who wasn't able to book. So you know, I'm really passionate about... Helping people get that set up because at some point in time you will reopen and you want to be able to remarket and let people know, hey, we're open and tours are back and you know start start getting in front of those people and just so people have an idea of a, from a cost standpoint, on Facebook, ten U.S. dollars is a pretty good benchmark for how much it costs to show an ad to a thousand people. Now it sometimes can be as low as five dollars can sometimes can can be higher but but you can think about that as a pretty good benchmark so if ten thousand people visit your tour website and now you want to show an ad to all ten thousand of those people, probably for about a hundred bucks, you can do it, and you're only reaching those those people who've already been on your website and you can even you know break that down and layer other things on top of it like we've talked about so uh, that doesn't cost you anything, and it's pretty easy to do and so I really highly encourage people at all times, but especially with all of the uncertainty around covid you know get those remarketing pixels on your website you don't have to spend any money but but just get that set up but yeah, you know, to directly answer your question, Shane, I think that if you're looking to grow your business if you're if you're looking to scale and the things that you are doing on your own aren't working it's a great you know opportunity to and, and there's a number of uh companies out there like ours that that really focus on the the tour and activity business and the shane's got a directory that you can check out too i i really encourage people I, I know we we've worked with a lot of companies in the past who've hired like the marketing agency down the corner and they're super nice people and they're probably great marketers but oftentimes they really don't understand what's unique about selling tours so uh, you know a little bit of a plug but i I really think that that finding somebody who kind of understands this industry is valuable but i I think for the most of us will be happy to like look at your google analytics and things like that and give you ideas you know kind of free consultation type type stuff uh, and and tell you whether we think we can help you. I think you know something too that if you're spending money on advertising now or historically, but don't have a really good handle on what your return is, or you don't think that your return is is good, like then it's great to get some expert eyes on. And lastly, I would say if you are, you know, I see a lot of tour companies that in essence, are paying hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in commissions to OTA every year and have little to no direct marketing, that's probably also a good opportunity where it's like, okay, hey, we're also, in essence, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing, but we're just letting Vider do it for us. It might be worth you know, talking to a marketing firm and seeing can we get some direct marketing going and, and you know offset those costs.
1: I appreciate that, Jeremiah. And like I said, I appreciate you coming on and, and all the digital marketeers in, in the tourism industry who come on the show and on our group and share knowledge. I, I can imagine for you guys it's a tough time right now as well. I mean we forget sometimes that you know you're also having to make a living here and keep your head above water and with so many tourpreneurs bringing everything in house because there's no revenue coming in that you guys are suffering as well. So I, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some thoughts with with Rob and I today, and of course, with our listeners. And these are the conversations that I really miss. And yes, I enjoyed the arrival virtual event. But these are the conversations that I like to have over a beer or my morning Starbucks with a marketeer or a tour operator. You know, these are the discussions that I really miss or when I'm out and about, because there's only so much you can do virtually, you know, five or ten minutes in a meeting, and this is what I'm really missing, is, is learning from people. Rob, final remarks from yourself before we wrap up, because in true to openness style, we've gone way over our time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy to have
0: some concrete action items that I can take right away uh, once we're done here, and hopefully things will turn around. And what's your website, Rob? Triphacksdc.com
1: and Jeremiah, where can people find more information on yourself and your agency?
2: Yeah, you can check us out, blend, B-L-E-N-D, dot travel.
1: Marvelous. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Shane. Thanks for listening to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Be sure to visit Torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Tourpreneur.